Blog Talk Radio. Glamour Fearless, Diva Talk Radio. Hello, Divas. Are you ready? I'm ready to welcome yeah, you to baby. a one-hour special Diva Talk radio broadcast. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedick, and I'm on a quest to glamorize good health. Tonight, we're paying tribute to the one and only Luther Vandross, spreading the power of love with friends, family, band members, and fans, sharing their memories and insights into the life and career of this extraordinary entertainer during the 1970s. Let's start the celebration, 70s styles, and get funky with Good for the Soul. Oh, do you like to touch the things that you know ain't no good for you? Do you like to play the game? Mama warned you'd never do Well, if it's good for the body It's good for the soul <laughs> All right, it's 1970 and Luther was 29 years old when these guests knew him when. I'm pleased to welcome Carlos Alomar and Ava Cherry to the show. Hello, hey. Ava and Carlos. Hey, what's up, Carlos? Hello? I think he'll be on in a minute, Ava. But while I've got you, you know, when I think of the 70s and Luther, I think of David Bowie. So I heard that you were instrumental in making uh, David aware of Luther or introducing Luther to David. Is that true? Well, that's true, yeah, because what happened was uh, I was David's girlfriend at the time, and we were were, uh, in England, and he was like, well, you know what, I want to do a soul band. And I was like, okay. Well, he said, well, how can I do that? Where would I? Well, I went to America right now. Where would I go? I said, okay. Well, I would say let's go to the Apollo, which you know all the you know the the, the top black artists in the world perform, and um, I'm sure that you could find some great musicians out of there. So we 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 flew to New York. And, 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 and got out of this big, long limousine, me with my, my white blonde hair, David with his orange hair sticking up, and then, you know, you know all the black people in, in the neighborhood were like, wow, they never seen anything like that before, you know, and we, we went into the Apollo. It was great. I mean, everybody was wonderful to us, and, you know, they were very curious, I think. Uh, we were shown up to, you know, a special place, and that particular night, it was the Temptations, the Spinners, Richard Pryor. Uh, main ingredient, which is where Luther was in that group with Robin and Carlos. They were singing uh, back of her uh, main ingredient, I guess. I don't know where Robin and Carlos were, but I know Luther was. And um, and, and, and Carlos was obviously playing guitar. And um, you just want me to keep on rambling on? Or you want to ask me the question? No, I'm please. This is like music uh, okay. history right here. Oh, okay, Charlie. Well, anyway, so then um, we were there. We David saw the show. He was like, wow, what incredible artist they have over here. I mean, he was just like, it was when he was first starting to come to America, maybe the second time. And he was like, the artists are fantastic. So he was like, well, I wonder if, I, if any of those members of any of those uh, bands would, would come along with us. 
So I said, well, the first thing you got to do is get an MD, and the second thing you got to get some some other background singers. So we listened to everybody, and then we were we were steered towards uh, Luther. I mean, towards uh, Carlos and Luther and Robin. They were with with this, I think singing for the main ingredient. He was playing guitar. And uh, anyway, they saw them. We we went backstage after everything. We met everybody. We talked with Richard Pryor. We talked with everyone. The Temptations. All thing. Wonderful evening. And then um, then everybody was introduced to David. And you know, Luther was introduced. Robin was introduced. Carlos was introduced. And then that was that was how it happened. From then on, David started the conversation of, Hey, I'm doing a soul band. Would you be interested in being involved singing? And and I said to um, you know, um, Luther. I mean, to to them that. Uh, that uh that Luther that um that Luther was like a great singer. I mean I I already knew that Luther was a great singer, but what I'm saying is he was looking for backup people. So I said, Well, try Luther. So then anyway, that's what I said. He talked to everyone and some and, and, and sorted it out where we were gonna be doing the young uh, a young Americans album and we were gonna be going to Philly to record and All that right, was, that was wait, great. let's yeah. pick it up right there, Ava, and bring in Fonzie and Carlos who are also a part of this whole Moment in music history. Carlos, hey, Fonzie, are you there? Hey. hey, what's up, everybody? <laughs> what's up, y'all? What's up? So how, that, how yeah. accurate was that story, Fonzie? I think that as much as I know, that was a very accurate story. I think Carlos should be the one who should speak from here because he was actually there at the session, so he knows. Right. I mean, what I'm saying, I didn't. I know Carlos was playing guitar, but I'm saying I know Robin was singing. I know uh, Anthony and all of them, and and. Uh, and uh, Luther, and, and well, I'm saying Carlos was the MD, I think, for main ingredient at that moment. But that should right. be him to speak on on that. So, Fonzie, oh, no. all right. So you're doing session work on with David Bowie, and you got and Luther was involved in recording Young Americans. How did how did what was it like to be working with such an incredible artist from um, Britain? You talking did, to me? How did David Bowie? How did you relate to David Bowie being from the New York music scene and then having such a amazing artist from Britain show up at the Apollo to hear you guys and suddenly start collaborating with him, Fonzie? Well, actually, on those sessions, that set of sessions that they did with David Bowie, I was not involved with that. Our beginnings at the Apollo, we were in Listen, My Brother, and after after Listen, My Brother, Carlos got involved with the main ingredient. I think the story was, Carlos has corrected, that they went down to Philadelphia, Robin and Robin and Luther went down to Philadelphia to visit uh, Carlos in the studio. And it was there that David was playing the song Young Americans, and Luther reportedly came with the part, Young Americans, Young And David said, Who's that? Who's that? And I think that that's really the way that, um, that they started singing on the mic for David. But Carlos is the one who can really elaborate on that. Well, you know, before he comes on the line, I want to ask you, Fonzie, the music scene in the 70s seemed so free-flowing where it's not you weren't as characterized as you are or categorized as you are today in the industry. Absolutely. What was Absolutely. it like to go? Can you just describe what it was like going from jingle single singing to doing the Apollo to doing Sesame Street and then doing like such varied work and session work with so many different artists? I think the thing that was so amazing is that I would say that you know we were. You know, we started off as the Shade Jade. Then we went to the Apollo and got involved with Listen, My Brother. Carlos got involved with the main ingredient. Um, you know, we, we had appeared on Sesame Street. Luther really started breaking more into the... Um, 
into the session singing thing as a result of his work with David Bowie, you know. And um, right. so I would say that you, I, I, I would say that we just sort of made a beeline from the bottom to the top. You know, we always do certain things. You know, I did a, I did a TV commercial with Joe Frazier, the boxer from Miller Light Beer, and I had my own group. And in the meantime, Luther was still working with us while he was still doing other things and doing sessions stuff. Robin and Carl mm-hmm. were touring with David Bowie. You know, so it's a, it, it was the, the music scene was like really wide open for all of us at that point. Well, yeah. Ava, did you feel that the fans in Britain were reacting so differently to um, R&B or African American artists from? America at that time versus how they reacting to artists in America? Um, I think that they were surprised that David was had um uh not from a racist point of view, but was surprised that David had put together a soul band. I think that that was a surprise because all the feedback I got from the British press and all that was like, Wow, David I mean he's glam rock and he's he's uh getting this this, this black band together and he's gonna do this whole thing. Because right now they're talking about it in books as pop culture. Okay, they're saying that it was pop culture that he decided to do soul when he was glam. Okay, um, and I think that they loved it. They loved it. They loved the whole thing. They loved the whole idea of him doing it. And David was one of those kind of people who would come up with interesting ideas like that to, you know, make the you know the masses you know aware of what was going on. And I, I, I think that they loved it in both places because I've had black people say to me, you know, wow, you know, you were like there with when, when, when not many black artists were were singing with with rock artists or and, and, and like you know the what's your name Mary Clayton with the Rolling Stones and all of that other stuff. I mean, it just really wasn't being done. And if it was being done, it was being, it was very well cherished and like, wow, you know, that, that, that's all I can say. And um, Fonzie, we're going to be talking a little bit about tonight about Hidden Gems, the new collection that's coming out from Sony Music, yes. Yes. Uh, fan favorites. You know, writing was a big part of Luther's artistry, too. I know on this record you have a song that you co-wrote with Luther. Just to describe, what was it like writing songs for you guys in the 70s? Can you describe the process? Well, I would say... I, I, I would say, well, writing songs in the '70s was like w- w- was like a little bit different than Luther and I finally writing together. I would say that Luther was really the first vocal arranger and songwriter that I know. I had the opportunity to write yeah. the, 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 the liner notes for Hidden Gems, so that's one of the things that I said that when I met him, he was the first songwriter and um, vocal arranger that I knew. Uh, when I went over to join his group, The Shade, The Jade, after rehearsal, he pulled out a hardcover notebook of lyrics. And uh, of lyrics that he had written, and then he began to sing um, the melodies to these songs. So I was like really impressed. This guy is a singer, and he's a songwriter, and he knows how to put together harmonies. He had us singing sevenths and ninths and stuff like that. So he was really very prolific. So later mm-hmm. on. Through the, through the early years, Luther and I were never writing together, although we were singing together. And then I would say, like, maybe through the last 10 years of, of, of his uh, career, we started writing different songs. Three of the songs that we co-wrote are actually on this Hidden Gems album, which, is, which just came out today, in fact. Yeah. Wait a minute. Let's try something different. This is Luther with the Masters at Work. At work. Last night I had some trouble sleeping mm-hmm. 
I mean, I love the Impossible Dream, so I'm going to say that first and foremost. But what do you think the fans are really going to enjoy about this new release? I think that what's going to be enjoyed is, you know, see Luther just as a just as an artist. Every album he did was a tapestry that was complete from beginning to end. So if on one album you had Never Too Much, Never Too Much wasn't the whole story. There was also You Stop Loving Me. There was also I've Been Working. If you are forever for always for love, you know, whatever the hit was from that album, there was always also Since I Lost My Baby. There was also Bad Boy. So the thing is, on each one of his albums, the albums were mm. chock full of songs.
And so singing in my mic, uh, and so of course I had to sing, and that kind of broke it for me. That made me be able to perform in front of that many people and not feel so so bad. It kind of broke the ice. It was it was a funny moment. Yeah, Luther uh, was doing wonderfully. He just he just went on out there and did what he did. All know? right, and Robin Hello. Clark is on the show. Robin, are you there? Hey, Robin. Oh, hey, we're we're holding for her, but she's not here. I love those memories that you shared with us, Ava. Thank oh, you. Let's good. bring in one of Luther's family members. We've got Savita Williams on the show tonight. Savita? Great. Hi. Hey, How are you? Fonzie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Coming in in a minute, but Savita, you re- you know Luther as Uncle Ronnie. What was he like in the seventies as an uncle growing up? Well, now in the seventies, I, I was born in late sixties. Okay, so in the early sixties, I don't remember. I, I was still an embryo. But, uh, no, I remember. He, oh, uh, I'm going to get your I, license out and confirm that. But go okay, on. Now, what was he like? What no, was he like uh, as having a big uncle? I remember, if I remember correctly, and Fonzie, you can correct me because you know Fonzie knows it all. But I think he was. Um, I think we were living in, in the project someplace, and he had a group with a girl named Goofy in it. And so right. I thought what right. I remember from him was really there was people coming in, and I have to say this that actually they were. Caucasian people coming into the project in the 70s, which happened, and they used to go in his bedroom and rehearse songs constantly, and Googie used to bring (laughs) her little daughter with her, so it was all about rehearsing, and I I, I may have asked once, was there a show, and he said no, but what I came to find out just in later years is that he didn't need a show, he just knew that to be perfect, you had to rehearse whether That's anything right. was going on or not. That's so right. Back in, the 70s, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so back right. in the 70s, I remember lots of rehearsals and, and stuff like that in the home. In the later yeah. years, he took me with him to the studio. Yeah, he That's never true. changed the rehearsal stuff. He was a rehearsing man. All right, everybody, let's hold on one minute because we were talking about Luther's rock and roll past, and it might surprise you to hear that he wrote David Bowie's Fascination. Let's hear a little bit. Yeah. music was universal and the idea that Luther wrote that and then went on to write so many incredible love songs I feel is fascinating but I want to test Ava, Fonzie and Savita's knowledge 
of Uncle yes. Ronnie and Luther with trivia with the Facebook fan page of the early years of Luther Vandross. Leon uh, Petrosian is on the line. Leon, are you there? Yeah. Hi. How y'all doing? Welcome, Hi, Leon. Leon. Right. Hey. Now, Leon, we were on a tribute show last year, and you stumped me several times. So you have all this amazing 70s trivia on Luther. I want you to tell everyone first a little bit about, we're going to play along with that tonight, but first tell us a little bit about the Facebook fan page you have dedicated to Luther Vandross. Um, yeah, um, I, I created it as, uh, you know, just to have a early years um, tribute to Luther because, um, you know, that's, just, I wanted his fans to really know that he paid his dues, and and just oh, to have man. all the facts and the music. It's great. It's great. And then where yeah, did we you uncover all this music, Leon? Where did you find all this music? Oh Lord. Uh, <laughs> um. Uh, let's see. Internet. Uh, record stores. Um. Just just research, really. All right. Well, you are going to be the expert, and I'm going to ask each of the guests a question, and then you're going to tell us the answer. I have a, I'm going to go first with Fonzie. I'm sure he'll know all the answers, but this will just be fun to see how you I do, hope. Fonzie. Are you ready? Yes, are I these am. still 70-related questions? These are 70. Yeah. So although you were three, yeah. we will test your knowledge. I was, three, 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 and I was three. Well, you're a relative, so you should know these things. This is Vandross trivia. All right, here we go. Fonzie. Who yeah. did Luther duet with in 1973 on a song titled "Who's Gonna Make It Easier for You"? Me. Who's gonna make it, it was, easier for me? That was De Dolores Hall. That's right. And in fact, he wrote, he, he wrote "Who's Gonna Make It Easier for Dolores." That's right. And, and wow. it was a green room Hall. coming behind a white dress and a chair. See? That's right. Yeah. That's right, Savita. That's right. That's who, all I know. Who, 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 go ahead, Savita. Go ahead, Savita. <laughs> Dolores Hall. Dolores Hall sang Age of Aquarius in Hair, correct? Is that what she's yes, known? Yes, Dolores Hall was a star, was an upcoming star on Broadway, and there was a producer named Billy Jackson, who was somebody that Luther had introduced me to, that was also the producer for Dolores Hall. So he wrote that song, and Billy recorded that song on Dolores. That's right. It was one of her singles. Wow. All right, Ava. Yeah. I think you're going to know this. What famous singer gave Luther his big break at Sigma Sound Studios in August of 1974? What gave Luther his big break? What singer? Uh, but, uh, but, uh, uh, no, 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 the only people that I know that gave Luther a big break in terms of when he was trying to make it were maybe Peebo Bryson or Beth Midler. But in, in, in Sigma Studios, there wasn't nobody that gave him no big break. Who was that? It was you, David you Bowie, just described the whole scene, Ava. It was David Bowie, Bowie, Ava. Oh, David On a million dollar ad campaign with Patty Austin in 1979. I know that. No. <laughs> you mean the Kodak commercials? No. What television what, what, network? Wait, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> wait, I need to hear again. Say it again. Say it again. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is like, what is this? Who wants to be a millionaire? Do you want to pull the audience? What famous singer? Oh no, wait, I'm sorry. What television network did Luther sing on a million dollar ad campaign with Patty Austin for in 1979? So he's saying the theme song for the network. I like the, the multiple choice questions. <laughs> oh. was, it, was it NBC Proud as a Peacock? Leon? That, that's correct. Okay. I was gonna say that. Well, Leon should know that he's the one doing research every day. We just know the stuff we was there, honey. We 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 didn't deal with all the trivia and the particulars around it. We just yeah, we have to recall on our memory. Why don't we bring in some answers? Let's bring in some relief, and we'll bring in Ivan Hampton, one of Luther's longtime band members. Ivan, are you there? I'm here. What's happening? Ivan, what's up, Ivan? Hey, Ava. Hey, mate. It's Ivan, hey, baby. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. What's up? Hey, baby. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. Ivan, we just met your son, Tawatha, and Vanny's and I were performing with Aretha, and your son was playing percussion. I know. This was about a month ago, man. We hadn't seen him in a long time. It was great. I know. Ivan, yeah, your son oh, played you know. too. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Not that Ivan, your son played too. Hello. Yeah. Wait for the fans oh, listening. Totally great. I want to say for the fans listening, this tribute show is so much fun because so many of us are spread out all over the country. We don't get to see each other enough anymore. So it's yeah. great to have Ava Cherry, Fonzie Thornton, Ivan Hampton, and Savita Williams on the line with us tonight sharing memories and just reconnecting and that's what's so much fun Happy about birthday, sharing these Luther. memories of Luther. Happy birthday, darling. Happy we are missing birthday. him so much. We are now, missing Ivan. him too much. Now um, let me just say this, Max. I just want to interject this so that the fans don't think the family really doesn't know anything about his business. I don't. Okay, and like I said, I was three at the time. <laughs> but I want them to know the truth about my uncle. This stuff like it was a game called Spoons, and he cheated at it all the time. <laughs> if you didn't have a spoon at the end of a round, you had to drink a nasty concoction, and he always Ugh. used his two giant fingers to measure by, but when he didn't have a spoon, he didn't drink. Now, that's what people need to know. Give me a second here. Leon, Leon Petrosian from um, the early years of Luther. What is the thing you found out about Luther and all the research you've done over the years about Luther from the early years? Uh, he he just did so much work. Um, it's just it's really quite you know it's just unbelievable, and and the fact that a lot of his fans um, really, you know even including myself didn't really know that it existed, um, you know in a, in a public sense I would say. Hmm. But that's what y'all didn't know because we knew it all the time. And well, wait, he was constantly doing it. Ivan, not only did you work with Luther Vandross, but you also worked with someone else we lost this, earlier this year, uh, Nick Ashford. I know Ponzi, you oh, know him man, as well. Oh, yes, man, sir. What, yes, was sir. It, what was it like working with Nick Ashford? Nick, Nick was, uh, it was awesome, man. Nick was one of the kindest, warmest people. Uh, he's such a, such a lyrical genius, man. Um, uh, he was amazing. He, he and Valerie... You know, really uh, kicked kicked my career off, and uh, wow. behind right and behind Yogi Horton, I ended up in Luther's band. Yogi, and and, 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 and of course, Luther, uh, Yogi came from Ashford and Simpson. Yeah, 
Right, that's right. So wow. I, I, I but Fonzie, what was it like for them to go from being such uh, revered songwriters to having their own hit with Solid? I mean, they had many hits, but Solid Like a Rock, or Solid, excuse me, really propelled them into a whole nother level of fame. What was that transition like for them? I think that, first of all, you Nick, Nick and Val are such beautiful people and always were. They wrote all of those amazing songs that we love. But the fact that they had always been they had always been performers. They were always capable of coming out there and turning it out. So they just started directing their attention towards developing their own songs for their own sound, and they just went out there and killed it. You know, I was, it's so funny mentioning... Nick, I was just doing an interview earlier today about Luther, and I was remembering there was a time that Luther um, wrote a theme song for The View, and he um, and he sang the lead, and he got me and Nick Aspen and Valerie Simpson and Robin Clark to come in and sing the background. And I was just talking about Nick today, just remembering he was a great Great cat, you know? Yeah, yeah he was, Nick. He was, Well, and Nick Ashford, and, I mean, I just watched Diana Ross, uh, her Central Park uh, performance was on TV recently. They really propelled her from a, um, going from the Supremes into a solo artist. How do you Absolutely. think, how, where do you think his legacy is as far as 70s music, Diana Ross? Can you elaborate, Ivan, on that? Oh, as, as I far as, as far as Luther? Um, no, it's Diana Nick Ross. Ashford. And Nick Oh, my God. Um, but just them going in. You know, I actually got in a band the year that Solid as a Rock came out, and they had such great songs even before that. You know, I think they were really stars the whole time. Uh, I, I just think they had something that just really reached out, you know, further. And uh, they they were they were just the, the biggest stars in my mind that I you know always. And Fonzie, I mean uh, Luther was such a huge fan of Diana Ross. I know when oh she would God. perform live, he was known for making surprise visits on stage. Can you yes. share any memories of that? Yes, I can. Because in fact, when um. Diana, listen, you know what, when I first met Luther, we used to always watch the Supremes on TV, and then we would wait until late at night when everybody in the house was asleep, and we'd be on the phone talking about, wait, did you see Florence Smith that step? What was that funny wig Diana had on? And so all those years, we followed them and were interested. So, of course, so of course um, when the Supremes did their Return to Love tour, which did not include Mary Wilson, it was Diana Ross and Linda Lawrence and... Um, Sherry Payne, Luther and I went to Philadelphia to see the opening show, and when she heard that he was in the audience, she called him up on stage to sing a song with him, so the big spotlight came out in the audience and caught him, and he walked slowly to the stage, and he was very slim and svelte and had on some amazing Versace outfit, and the people tried to lose their minds, so you know, so that was one time he did that on the on the opening show of Return to Love, and then on the closing show of Return to Love at Madison Square Garden, he, we were in the audience again, and she called him back on stage again, and so, you know, th- th- those were two times. It was like amazing to see him when we grew up regarding her as such a star he was the same degree of star as she was <laughs> so who did he who did luther meet first diana ross or nick and val i think that she i think that she probably met nick and val first because he and val used to sing jingles together so way before he was um sort of really getting farther out there with his Superstar Productions, he had already known Valerie from singing with her in the studio on Jingles, and he was he also knew Nick at that time as well. 
All right. Well, that's a fascinating uh, reflection on Nick Ashford, Luther Vandross, with the band members, Ava Cherry, Ivan Hampton, good friend, Ponzi Thornton, niece, who doesn't remember the 70s, Savita Williams, and, of course, the new <laughs> Luther expert, Leon, from the early years of Luther Vandross on Facebook. Let's take a quick break and listen to Emotional Eyes. Every time I think of our next guest, please welcome Lisa Fisher to our annual tribute to Luther Vandross. Hello, Lisa Fisher. Hi, Max. Hi, everybody. I think maybe you're on alone with me for a little while because I wanted to put you in the spotlight. I oh, am so God. thrilled to have you on the show. Oh, you, you just mesmerize me, and I know you have such good memories of Luther. I want to tell everyone you did a duet with Luther on one of his Sony records, Whether or Not the World Gets Better. Mm-hmm. And you worked with him for years doing session work as well as a background singer with Ava and, and Kevin Owens on stage. What was yeah. it like to work with Luther Vandross? It was magical. It was educational. It was a gift. It was a gift. It really was. And he really, I thought, brought out the best in divas. And I I'm re- lovingly <laughs> refer to you as one because I know when you were doing the choreography and you had on the gowns and the dresses, <laughs> you know, you were just so, it was just so beautiful to watch you on stage. You, I mean, you were really working, he had a whole team working with you, Ava and Kevin, to put on those shows. Can you explain what some of the process was in, in doing a Luther show? Yes, it was... Um as far as the choreography, it was um, a gentleman named Bruce Wallace when I first arrived. And then it graduated to Lester Wilson, who's the one that I remember working with the most. And Luther was just so particular about what he wanted to uh, give to the audience as far as his vision that... I think he and Lester really understood each other on that level. So Lester would come in and he realized that we were singers and not dancers. And so he had to give Luther his vision but still make it make sense for people who were singers and not go beyond the scope of a singer, but still paint this image that Luther wanted his audience to have. And so together they really worked on what the song was about, the emotion that he wanted to have conveyed to the audience through our bodies and through the melody 
of his music. And it was just amazing to watch Lester look at not only our strengths, but our weaknesses and make the most of those things. And I think on a lot of levels, Luther and Lester shared that. It's like I always felt that Luther would look at each singer and look at our strengths and our weaknesses and make those weaknesses a strength, which is usually not what people tend to do. You know, they usually look at your weaknesses and try to, you know, brush them under the under the rug. He, he truly was, was a visionary, so let's hear mm-hmm. him describe it in his own words for a second, Lisa. Sure. I've always been a hands-on type of performer. You know, I consider my career as a vision that I have. It's almost like the cake that your mother bakes, you know? It makes a difference how much of this she puts in and a pinch of that and a pinch of this. You know, it's more than a cake. It's kind of a vision. When I made Never Too Much, my first record, um, real singers were frowned upon because music was really the producer's vehicle. And uh, what worked for me was that I was one of the first real singers to emerge out of that disco period. And uh, it made me kind of singular in, in what I contributed to music at that point. I think that was taken from Albert Hall right before he performed there, and you were at that mm. show. He flew me in from Chicago from a Rolling Stones show. <laughs> and see, this is so interesting, because we were talking about the 70s and his whole history of rock and roll, and you kind of, correct me if I'm wrong, but you went from Luther to the Rolling Stones, who are now celebrating their 50th year in mm. the industry. What was mm-hmm. it, What's that been like for you? It's been interesting. It's like, for me, Luther's been the cradle of my existence musically. You know, it's he. I was blessed to have him come into my life or me come into his life at the time that it did because I was just sort of all over the place. I was just kind of hungry and everywhere and just trying to figure out what I was going to do, and I felt like he was my anchor. And from that... Um, someone from the Stones show had come to see a Luther show, and then when the Stones were auditioning people, they had added me to the list of people they wanted to see because of what Luther had instilled in me, you know. Well, you're an extraordinary entertainer in your own right, and I want to know, because not only were you singing backgrounds, then he helped you with your first album that came out and you won a Grammy for, and then you went mm-hmm. on to record a duet with Luther. So how was it like to transition from those roles and, you know, having him produce you, right? He wrote and produced some of the songs on your yes, album? he did. And then also you went on then to sing that duet. So what was that like? It was, um, I wish I had been more present for that experience, I don't think I was really ready for it, to be honest, Max. I think as much as Luther tried to teach me and show me, there was just certain things. It's almost like trying to give a baby a steak before you give it baby food. I just wasn't quite ready yet, you know. I think I don't think I had... The, the 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 bravery and the clarity that he had as an artist at all. It's like he knew exactly what he wanted. He knew when he wanted. He knew how to get from point A to point B. 
I was just kind of floating, and he kept trying to help me figure it out. But at some point, you've got to have to let someone just flounder about and figure it out on their own. I it think, is hard to do that, right, to go solo. Mm, I mean, people always think that's yeah. the biggest thing you could do in your life, but mm. I think what you're saying is how people really, you know, there are so many things, so many commitments and so much going on with you. Yes, yeah, totally. I think mm, I just didn't know myself well enough. I, I felt that he knew himself so well, and he knew what he wanted to present. I had been so much in the background world that I I was so used to being a chameleon for everyone that I didn't know who I was, you know. So he, I think he did his best to try to help me figure it out, but it was wonderful that he was able to guide me in the studio and guide me with my own record, and, and I was able to go to him and speak to any, you know, speak to him about any questions or fears that I had. Um, and then afterwards, just being able to do a duet on his record was, to me, the most exciting thing because, you know, I grew up listening and, and, and trying to do background for him. So to be on that level with him was just almost unreal for me. You know, it's like I can still see him and I can still see the glass and I could see my reflection and then I could look past my reflection and see him trying to guide me through the vocal and it was just beautiful. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lisa Fisher, for joining us. When we come back, more Luther moments and memories. But first, most everyone refers to the next audio clip as the Wiz theme song. However, the writer, Luther Vandross, named it Brand New Day. Everybody be glad because the sun is shining for us. Into the morning is the happiness. Come on, world! It's like a different way of living now. Thank you, Lord. We always knew that we'd be free somehow in harmony. To show the world that we've got differently. It's such a shame for us to live so independently. It's lovely to have a heart singing so simply. Welcome back to the second annual Diva Talk Radio Tribute to Luther Vandross podcast. Many fans think of Luther as a serious TCB type of artist, but he did have an amazing sense of humor. Just listen to this clip. We need a long break now with tired. Uh, let's have a uh, three-minute break. No, I didn't say three-hour. Don't try it. Three minutos. Minuets. Three minuets. Y'all better take the break because it's two minutes and 12 seconds now. All right, well, we're not taking a break on this tribute to Luther Vandross. Let's welcome in some new guests to the show and bring on Dave Jones, Darren Margo, and Leonard Dozier to talk about memories of Luther and talk about some fan favorites. Dave Jones, are you there? 
This is Canada we're going to be talking to. Luther had so many fans worldwide. I remember touring all over with him. We actually worked with Michael Jackson and went to Korea. We went to Munich, Germany, and we had many trips to Montreal, Quebec. And Dave Jones, are you there? I'm here, yeah. Can you hear me? I can. How are you tonight? I am great, and I am loving the show tonight. I love I the theme. I, the, I, the stories blow me away. This stuff needs to be documented in a, in a in a broader fashion. I'd love to hear everyone talk on, you know, I, you know, Owen might be looking for some content. <laughs> and I think this would fit right. I think this, they do a beautiful job. This is fantastic. It's so fascinating to hear everyone's stories. And, uh, and, and when you picked the theme of the 70s, I wasn't really sure how I was going to be able to contribute. And a couple of things come to mind. I remember actually the night that Luther passed, I went down to a club to hit, you know, to talk to my favorite DJ. I had brought a whole bunch of CDs that that, uh, you know, in case he wanted to play whatever, he shoved them all out of the way, and the track that he played to play to pay tribute to Luther was actually uh, Hot Butterfly, which is how he discovered Luther uh, back in, I guess, I, uh, no, Leon would probably be able to correct me, about 78, 79, something like that. And uh, the other night I'm at the gym, and I mentioned to a couple of guys that I was going to be participating in uh, the second annual tribute to him, and this guy kind of chimed in out of nowhere and said, hey, you know, 20 years ago I... My girlfriend dragged me to the Luther show here, and, and it ended up being the best show that I've ever, ever seen. And this guy hangs out with a bunch of local musicians, and he started naming a bunch of the stuff that he knew that Luther had participated in. And I didn't know a lot of that stuff, like Cat Stevens and Ringo Starr. And it just really spoke to how prolific and multidimensional he, uh, he was. Um, as an artist, that whole group of talent, I mean, Fonzie Thornton, Robin Clark, Hollis Alomar, our guests earlier on the show tonight, I mean, they really are an exceptional uh, group of people and what they were able to do. Their, their total artistic uh, gifts is incredible to me when you really sit down and talk to each and every one of them and find out just how uniquely talented they were and how wor well they worked together to create such memorable music. Mm -hmm. Very important pieces to the puzzle. Well, wait, let's bring in Dave, uh, Darren Margo, a really good friend of Luther's, and he's going to give us a little bit of the, you guys are giving us the international flair because, you know, most people think of Luther as an American artist. They didn't really understand him as someone who traveled and did uh, shows all over the world. I know Darren Margo, you met Luther, I think you met him in, did you meet him in New York or did you meet him in London? Um, actually, originally I met Luther in Beverly Hills in the late 80s. It was uh, 89. And you were working at Versace. That's correct, yes. And, you know, when we think of the 70s, we think of disco, we think of glitter, we think of glam. I, you know, right after that comes the 80s when you think of Ver Johnny Versace and all those over-the-top men's fashions. What do you think it was about Luther's flair for fashion that so resonated with the fans? Well, what was so intriguing about how he created his look, and this was his look off the stage. Yes, he had his persona on stage, but it also was so relevant to how he created his uh, personal Versace wardrobe. He loved the details, and it came so much joy and pleasure to pick out the smallest minuscule item like a button or a lining or even the color of the stitch and he reveled in the whole process and he was so uh, his technique of how he was able to choose color and print and to make it work 
Not many people could pull it off, but he did it in such a way that it was so chic and so elegant that pretty much he stood apart from the pack and was untouchable. I mean, for, let me just give you an example. I mean, he wanted to customize this pink cashmere suit, and cashmere was his favorite fabric. And at the time, you know, we had the, the complete outfit, uh, completely planned and you know was accepted by Versace but what he wanted in addition to this outfit was he wanted pink alligator shoes that would be the exact tone to the, of color that would match the outfit so we approached Versace and they couldn't do it at the time because they didn't have the capabilities but that did not stop him he was so on, so I'm going to get these alligator shoes made that we actually gave him a swatch of the cashmere and he eventually had the shoes made by Susan Bennis Warren Edwards. So he really was such a visionary and, you know, aside from what he did musically, you know, that visionary, the vision went down to his personal Versace wardrobe to a further extent, how he decorated and furnished his homes. And even down to, like, when he threw his 50th birthday party. So that element of detail was just really a common thread through every aspect of his life on stage and off stage. And I agree. I worked with him on the shows as well as in his home life. And uh, it was the details, the details, the details. <laughs> and you told that so accurately, Darren, about how he would be so specific about every single item in wardrobe, not only on the stage wardrobe, but in his personal life. Yeah, and he would push the envelope to what was actually possible and what was not possible. And what was so fascinating about how he was able to eventually come up with a finished product, be it in a you know a piece of apparel or a, a purse or a shoe or or whatever it may be, he just had such a clear, concise vision that ultimately, there if if the vision wasn't be, being able to to happen through one source. We made it happen through a different avenue. But at the very end of the day, he got what he wanted because he was highly persistent and he had this crystal clear vision and it was really about executing the vision and had a lot of fun on the way doing that. It was such a, an engaging process and I'm sure so many people have discussed his, his sense of humor. Okay, well then let's bring in someone who's keeping the memories and the music of Luther alive. Leonard, are you on the air? Yes, I am, Max. How are you? I'm good. So tell everyone, you're working on a project for Luther right now. Tell everyone a little bit about that. Yes, uh, I've been writing a stage play called Superstar, uh, The Ballad of Luther Vandross. I've been working on it for the past six years, actually. And it's been through various incarnations, if you will, and and. Finally, about two years ago, I felt like I hit my stride with it in terms of trying to tell a comprehensive story that would just celebrate and further advance uh, Luther's legacy. Yeah, so this uh, this play has been really in development for about six years, and it's, it's essentially a stage musical, sort of incorporating the music of Luther Vandross. Um, well, what do you want again, people to take away from the show? From the actual stage play? Yeah, I, what, I think... What, what, I, what would you like the audience? What journey would you like to bring the audience on? I really want to take people inside the 
the, the music, um, but but in a way that really captures Luther's uh, sense of, of of love and longing and 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 really how the music came about. Um, I think so many people have have listened to Luther and and you know have his records, and I think the important thing um, to really grasp is sort of the method, if you will, behind the madness. Um, so I wanted to sort of I, I wanted to sort of delve into, if you will, Luther's um, spirit and mind as he sort of put these songs and and, and composed these songs. Uh, All right. So now here's the acid test, Leonard. What are you going to sing a cappella so that we could see if you sound anything remotely like Luther Van? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, you know, it, it's funny. Last night, as I uh, just sort of before I went to bed, I I thought the song that made the most sense was uh, "What the World Needs Now." And um, it, 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 it's funny because it was one of the songs that uh, I listened to Luther perform live with Burt Bacharach just a few days ago, and it just really resonated with me. At the and, Hammerstein uh, Ballroom in New York City, I remember that. That is so right. Well. <laughs> that is right. And it's interesting because I was able to, to get um, a wonderful backing track that I was able to get set up. So I said, well, this is even better. Um, so uh, if that's okay with you, it's certainly okay with me. All right. Well, give give us an abbreviated version because we are running out of time and we want to play a little bit more Luther clips. But I, we want to hear you sing, so go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. coming out called Hidden Gems. It's all the fan favorites, including Are You Using Me? You heard about Fonzie Thorne, who co-wrote three of the songs on that album, as well as my personal Mr. Divabetic fan favorite, The Impossible Dream. I could remember when we were on tour 
uh, with the songs album, and he would sing it every night. That memory will last for me a lifetime, and I'm so glad that other people could hear it as a source of inspiration, especially if you're someone listening tonight who's touched by diabetes. Of course, we do everything at Divabetic in Luther's honor, trying to give it a dazzling form of outreach, make it entertaining like he made so many shows, and helping you get the tools, the education, inspiration you need to keep your house a home. Because my memories of Luther are still so strong, and I really wish he could be here tonight to present to you his newest compilation, Hidden Gems. But um, unfortunately, he cannot. And you can do everything right now to help your loved ones living with diabetes and form an entourage around them and lift them up and let them put on their best performance by giving them hope, inspiration, and encouragement every day to stay healthy. Remember to join us every month right here on Diva Talk Radio for Diabetes Roundtable and Studio D. Until next time, every diva has an entourage, and I'm so glad to be part of yours. We're signing off now with another Luther moment, followed by an amazing collaboration with Quincy Jones and Patty Austin. I'm going to miss you in the morning. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody. I wish I could be with you there tonight. I want to thank everyone and uh, for your love and support. And remember, when I say goodbye, it's never for long, because I believe in the power of love. I'll be going back to him.